Hello and welcome back into the portal. I'm Andrew McKay. And I'm Amber Ray. We just wanted to add a little bit extra onto the second bonus episode. Bonus footage. Yeah, yeah, bonus material on the Ogopogo episode because we actually, um, we didn't, we hadn't had a chance yet to uh, go and visit the West Bank First Nations Museum. Literally, we just got back. Uh, we literally just got back. Uh, we had exchanged emails and things like that before the episode, but because of scheduling, we didn't have a chance to get out there. Mm-hmm. So we got out there today and found out some really, really cool info. So we just wanted to add it in as bonus material exactly. for the Ogopogo episode. Episode. So, I had to just make a few corrections, right? And confirm some things that we did yeah. mention, but weren't exactly 100% on. Definitely. So mm-hmm. there was, you know what? I was actually really pleased at how well we did in terms of accuracy. We did yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty okay, according to uh, Cora Lee, who was the lovely lady at the, mm-hmm. um, at the assistant. She guided us through the whole experience. And she was, was very helpful. Very helpful. Awesome. It's such a great little museum. If you're ever in West Kelowna and you have a chance to, mm-hmm. to check it out, it's really worth a look. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's on the really old Okanagan cool. Highway, right off the existing highway that we yeah. use normally now. Lots of great, really cool local information. Right in the middle of it all. It's, but anyway, yeah. the one thing that, that was the, the, the main discrepancy that I really wanted to correct was just the population. So in the, in the Ogopogo episode, we mentioned that at the sort of height of Okanagan culture around 3,000 years ago, which was re- uh, relatively accurate mm-hmm. 3,000 years ago, the number 12,000 was not uh, accurate. So we got the correct number from Coralie at the museum, and she tells us that the actual number was more like around 200,000 mm-hmm. um, of the Okanagan peoples. And like we said, that territory stretched well into Washington and all the way up through, and as well as uh, stretched out uh, east into the Kootenays as well. So just a little far correction north there. In the province, oh yeah, yeah, way up north too. Yeah. So it was about sixty nine thousand square kilometers was their territory mm-hmm. that they hunted and fished in, and they were nomadic, semi nomadic people. So they would uh, mm-hmm. move around season to season. And she showed us all the kind of different hunting tools and things that they used, and it was a really cool visit. Super fascinating. Yeah, but we just wanted to make that one little correction, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we ha- we but we came across a bunch of other things too that were just really awesome because they totally like corroborated some of the things that we mentioned in episode one, mm-hmm. and we just wanted to put that out there. So, Amber, you told a story in, in the Ogopogo episode for the origin it story. It was an origin story, and I did premise that with a disclaimer. <laughs> so we did ask Coralie about that, yeah. and she she had heard a similar story. She Can you recap that story quickly for yeah, us? Yeah, okay, so the story that we had heard originally was that there was a condemned man, sort of... Um, yeah, a, a loner of sorts. And the story that I told in the first episode was that he had murdered an elder. And that right. as punishment, he was basically banished to the lake. Right. And it's actually interesting. Coralie had a different take on that. It mm-hmm. was basically the other way around. Where this guy was... He was kind of condemned. He wasn't really accepted for whatever reason. She wasn't specific about that. Mm-hmm. But she did say that he was... This is where the connection to Rattlesnake Island slash Squally Point comes in. Because apparently the only friend that this condemned guy had was the rattlesnake. And so right. apparently he went down to the water and he was actually healed by the spirit of the lake and became a benevolent spirit himself. Mm-hmm. And so that was an interesting take and I th- feel like we kind of briefly touched on that in the first episode by saying like yeah you know Nessie he's not he's not snatching people off the shore he's pretty benevolent so oh, I think <laughs> that was corroborated right. and I had another really cool aspect about that because we asked her again about 
well, what about these live lake offerings that were given to the creatures and right. passed every time? Mm-hmm. And apparently, um, Nessie's vegetarian. Og- there was Og- no Og- live offerings. Not Nessie, Augie. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh my God, I'm calling him Nessie. Uh, <laughs> we've, Nessie been looking at, we've been looking at Loch Ness and Lake Champlain a lot, so we're yeah. kind of, it's all blended together a little bit too. Me and Nessie are new uh, Insta friends. New, so. new buddies, new buddies. Anyways. But yeah, no, she did say <laughs> so that So yeah, basically. so basically uh, it is a... A vegetarian creature, very fond of burning sage, very fond of tobacco. Tobacco. So if you're near Squally Point, make sure you yeah. drop off. So the offerings that were made were actually typically going tobacco, mm-hmm. as the story goes, and not live offerings. But the but she did say that the live offerings is something that kind of like developed over the years and sort of became. Yeah, she did mention that some of the younger became, men that were out fishing or whatever, yeah. they would maybe occasionally drop something. It would be, it can't, kind of, part yeah. of their catch. It like became a more thing. modern it wasn't sort like of tradition. They're, they're dunking in a live chicken and being no. like, see ya, bud. Yeah, and, and we had come across a lot of resources that said that, and some of them were pretty, like, you know, from our perspective, legitimate sources. And so we were really happy to go out there to the museum and just get an idea that, yeah, this does happen, and it did, it has happened more in the modern era, but it's not a part of their traditional culture or anything like that. It's not a part of the legend of of uh, Nahahatiku, which is actually, uh, we've been practicing our pronunciation, or trying to anyway. That last part And uh, Nahahatiku Naha was, is, cool. is, nice. uh, is my best attempt at the pronunciation for the Ogopogo, the yeah. lake demon, um, that, the, that the Okanagan people's have had as a part of their history for thousands of years. But yeah, it was really cool to get uh, some corroborating, uh, you know, background info from from this museum. And she um, was very, um, so helpful, hey? Oh, man. But just, I thought it was really interesting how um, the Indigenous standpoint really, in a lot of senses, is more allegorical. And it, yeah. it's just, it's more of like a, a term of respect, of designation to the lake as like the life bearer, the, you know, the... Yeah the the bonds of the community essentially right like without it there wouldn't really be much going on but at the same time and then on the flip side yeah she i mean she made a point of telling us that it's there's a lot of part of it's that that's allegorical Mm -hmm. and that it's yeah about respect for water and spiritual and 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 about more things than just a creature in the lake but about a monster but it is based off something real and she told us that even her grandmother had seen seen nahahatiku mm-hmm. in the lake had seen the more lake demon once. more than once and she believes that it is based in there's basis in fact um much like and you would take that sort of perspective her elder right this is her grandma who's obviously lived here her entire life yeah she knows what a beaver looks like she knows what an elk looks like crossing the lake totally. you know she's not gonna confuse those totally and she even said like Coralie, she's like my grandmother's not a liar. No. And she's very... That's what she said, yeah. Very serious. And, and it's not sensationalized or anything. No. It's just like, I saw what she... She knew what it was, right? Mm-hmm. I saw... Nahati... Nahati... Oh, man, Nahati. I'm going to struggle with that forever. It's such a cool word, but I struggle with it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that was uh, that was the information. Uh, bonus information. Bonus specific to Ogopogo. We actually did get a few other really cool tidbits that I definitely want to share with our um, listeners. But for now, we're going to keep it succinct. And yep. yeah. So stay tuned for the uh, the full blog on Ogopogo. Uh, that, uh, we're going to have that up this Amber week. Amber will be having up this week with a ton of extra details that are just mm-hmm. really, really cool. So you guys cool should check that out. Too. Totally. Yeah. And we'll have um, all the other like videos and things that we've um, used for this second episode. And the ones that are up there for the first episode too are on, on our YouTube channel. Mm. So you can check Into us out portal at Into podcast. the Portal. Uh, there's a link on our website. So you can check that out and take a look at uh, all the things that we've been looking at. Definitely. So stay tuned for episode three. We'll have that out 
probably in a week. Do you figure, Amber? Something like that. We're going to try. We're going to work we're, try our best. We're going to try. There's definitely a lot of dense material that we're sifting through right yeah. now. So It's kind of a crazy one. So we'll, It's very far out there. We'll put out a teaser pretty soon. But anyways, we just want to say again, thank you, Coralie, and to everyone at the Snickmeats Museum. Yep. Snickmeats? Sn- <laughs> the West Bank First Nations Museum. Um Anyway, yeah. but yeah, no, mm. we, we really appreciate all the um, support and feedback we've had. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for subscribing and tuning in. Yes. Until next time.